Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with the one and only Brad Chandler. Brad, how are you doing? I am awesome today. I'm so excited to be on the show. Yeah, man. Well, I, I don't think you're near as excited as I am to have you on. Uh, I, I consider you uh, kind of a legend in the wholesaling business and uh, definitely somebody that I look up to. So uh, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. Yeah, so I'm a founder and CEO of Express Home Buyers. This year we'll do uh, probably 250 wholesale deals. Um, and the thing I'm most proud of is I will not have looked at a single house or spoken with a single seller. Um, I've got a team in place that does all of that. So um, I'm also president of Brad Chandler Coaching, which I started last year because of my time uh, that I don't have to spend on the business. So let's go back all the way till I was 10 years old. When I was 10, my folks got divorced and my dad was a breadwinner. And so when he left, he didn't uh, provide us any support to my to my mom or my three sisters. So uh, things got really, really, really tight. And I can remember one day when I was 10, my mom saying, you know what? We may lose this house and have to move into public housing. And mm. actually, had vi I had actually visited that same public housing with her because as a nurse, she'd go see patients and she didn't have the money for childcare, so she'd bring me along. And uh, look, it was Charlottesville, Virginia, so it wasn't the worst in the world, but they still had shooting. So as a 10-year-old, I was, I was scared to death. Right. So I, I thought to myself, man, I can't. I, I, I got to figure out something as I get older so this never happens. So in ninth grade, I read a book, a Robert Allen book on how to buy real estate with no money down. And I said, this is what I'm going to do uh, because there's no uh, limit to the amount of income you can make. So I basically studied real estate for the next 15 years. Um, an investor bought my neighbor's house in late 2002. And I went and talked to him and he says, yeah, I buy a house at 30% below market. I fix them up and I resell them. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to do. So I decided in December of 2002 to start, and I was working a full-time job, just like most people out there listening to this. And I was like, I, I was not a corporate guy. I didn't want to climb the corporate ladder. So I'd come home at 6 o'clock. I'd put my newborn sleep. I'd spend some time with my, new, my newborn son. I'd put him to bed at 8, and I'd work from 8 to midnight, work on weekends. And RJ, week after week after week went by, and there were no deals. But I kept going to these investor meetings and hearing all these people doing deals. And so each week I got more and more persistent. I said, I'm going to make this happen. And in July, I bought my first house. In July and August, I bought six houses. And then in October of 2003, I quit my full-time job to focus on Express Home Buyers. And here we are, you know, approaching 2,400 deals later. Man, that is, that is incredible. Um, it's amazing to hear these stories where certain circumstances kind of catapult um, different successful entrepreneurs to find that level of success. So, you know, with, with your situation, with what happened in your childhood and, and over the course of those 15 years where you were studying real estate, did you, did you learn about wholesaling? Did you know that that was going to be the way to get started? Or did that come later on when you were going to the networking meetings or did you not start in wholesaling? Did you actually start in rehabbing? I never heard, I never knew what wholesaling was until 2003 when I went to these RIA meetings. But here's what I mistakenly back then, RJ, mm -hmm. I thought I thought wholesaling was for the less sophisticated uh, <laughs> ma, uh, person who didn't have an education, had bad credit. 
And then I thought the per the real smart people like myself, uh, we, we would do rehabs. Well, after doing 15 to 1700 rehabs and getting my ass kicked so many times, I said to myself, there's got to be a better way right. because in, in, in December, 2016, like we were having trouble making payroll got so bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, if you look at all of our problems, 95% of them are from freaking the rehab. So we decided at that time to stop. And since that time we have done nothing but wholesaling and it has been, we tried it actually four years ago, but we couldn't make it work because we didn't know how to find the right buyers. And now we know how to find the right buyers. And now we're crushing it. We did, uh, we got 33 prop 31 properties under contract last month in the month of May. See, that's so funny that you say that because currently right now in my business, we wholesale a lot, and but we also rehab a lot. And, and I agree with what you're saying. Almost all of the issues that we have in our company, cash flow wise or st just stress, it all comes from the rehabs. Very rarely do I ever have any kind of stress or cash flow issues when it comes to wholesaling. Those really wholesaling solves all of those problems because it sure does. Yeah. I mean, you're able to turn those properties so quick. So, so you're saying you actually didn't start wholesaling until 2016. You got it. We tried it a couple of times, but just couldn't get it to work. Um, and, and, and one other thing about it is we, two years ago, we had in excess of $30 million worth of debt on properties that we own. Today we have like zero debt uh, because we're not buying anything. Right, and and your life has gotten better and all of the stress has gone away, right? Way better, way better. We had our best year ever financially last year. Uh, we, we, we got rid of people because you don't need people turning on and off the utilities and paying right. property tax bills and dealing with the lenders. And it, it's a very complex, rehabbing is very, very complex on so many levels. So, but you were a fairly high volume rehabber, right? We were doing, uh, we had 85 renovations going on. Uh, we were doing $10 million worth of construction a year. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's very high volume. So <laughs> how did you mentally make that leap from, okay, we're going to be nothing but a rehabber to now we're nothing but a wholesaler. Was there any kind of, I guess, how long did it make, take you to make that decision? Literally like a week, if if not that, and we just <laughs> we, we just we just burned the ships. We actually had so many renovation projects going on that were going poorly that we actually stopped renovating someone, some of them midstream, and just started selling them as is. We're like we're, we're just done. We're done, done, done. <laughs> I've done that as myself as well. So I I, I understand exactly what what you went through and kind of the decision that you made. Uh, unfortunately for myself, I kind of made the opposite. I wholesaled and then started rehabbing. And then I was like, why did we start doing this? And it was kind <laughs> of like the, the shiny <laughs> object syndrome, you know, it was like, well, why am I selling this one? You know, I can make so much more money, but what you don't, there's that cost of the opportunity cost, the cost of time, the cost of just peace of mind. Um, it, it just, for us, and it sounds like for you as well, it, it just made a lot more sense to be wholesaling. So it took well, you a week, you, you made that decision. Uh, how did you, how did you figure out how to start finding those right buyers that you talked about? So we started calling cash. We started calling uh, real estate agents who had sold properties to cash buyers. And they, they were the ones who, who gave us the best buyers and the buyers that were willing to pay 80 to sometimes 84 cents of, on ARV, 84% mm -hmm. uh, of ARV minus repairs. 
So we were thought here, here's 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 probably this is a gold nugget, guys. So write this one down. All of these supposed gurus out there that are teaching wholesaling, unfortunately, a lot of them aren't doing uh, doing it at all. If not, and even if if they are, they're not doing it the volume that we're doing. You know, thirty a month or twenty a month. Right. But here's here's what I can remember 15 years ago sitting in a RIA meeting and the leader said, all right, guys, you want to wholesale? Here's how you make money. You got to sell the properties for 65 to 70 percent of the actual repair value minus repairs. So if you want to make money, just get them below that. Well, RJ, you've been in the business for a while. Yeah. How easy how easy is to get is it to pick up a property for below 65 percent of ARVs minus repairs? I, I think we have sold bought and sold properties in 15 different states and out of those 15 different states maybe two were we able to find any deals like that on a regular basis so it okay. is extremely difficult it's extremely hard and that's why most gurus teach wholesalers that they can make two to five maybe ten thousand dollars a deal mm -hmm. well what here's here's what really happens in the real world is that there there are thousands of investors out there that are happy buying at 80 to 85 percent of ARV minus repairs. So you just have to go find those people. And then when you get under contract at 65 to 70 percent, then you make a nice 10, 12, 13 percent spread. And for, for us last year, that equated to, you know, thirty seven thousand wow. dollars per 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 wholesale. And it, it's kind of going back to that whole theory. You know, I hear it all the time. There's no good deals on the MLS. Well, what you were doing was is you were going and finding those buyers that buy deals off the MLS and then bringing them off market properties at the similar discounts to that what they were already buying. Correct. I never even thought about it that way, but you're 100 percent right. Right. I mean, that's what you hear all the time. You can't find good deals off the MLS. Well, the reason right. somebody's buying those deals. I mean, right. and, and so you went out and found them. That's a that's a great way to build your buyers list. And I've never I, I guess like you said, I've never really thought about it that way. We've kind of done it a little bit that way, but never going directly to the agent and saying, hey, you know, who's buying these properties? Um, so do you work with those agents? Do, do you or are they just kind of passing off the contact information to you? So uh, it's a really great question. People always ask us, well, what do you pay the realtors? Well, what we tell everyone is, listen, we're going to look at these contracts that we get in on this house on a net basis. So if we get two contracts for $100,000 and one's with a realtor and they want 3%, so we're going to net 97 and the other one without a realtor is for 100, guess which one we're going to take? We're going to take the 100. So we tell the realtors, listen, either have your buyer pay you because you're bringing them a killer off-market deal, pay, have, have them pay you on the front end, or promise that promise make them promise to you the realtor that they're going to give you the listing on the back end once the house is rehabbed. Gotcha. That's that's pretty cool. I like that. I like that a lot. So, as far as your company went marketing wise, nothing really changed from being a full time rehabber to a full time wholesaler, correct? No, I mean other than we're always you know trying new things and trying to improve, but no, it had nothing. If no, it, no change at all. You're still looking for the motivated seller. It's just what you do with the property once you get under contract. So let, let's dive into marketing a little bit. You don't have to share all of your secrets, but w what is your favorite type of marketing that you use on a regular basis? So what does the best for us right now is online, um, both a combination of pay-per-click and SEO. We're actually generating um, upwards of a 1,000 leads per month outside of our core DC market all over the country, and we're actively, uh, we're actively virtually wholesaling. So uh, earlier this year, we wholesaled a deal in Tampa where we made $38,000 and we never saw the property. That's amazing. See, and 
So let, let's talk about that real quick because I get questions about virtual wholesaling all the time. Actually, this pre this past week, I had someone uh, reach out to me and said, what's a great episode on your podcast, RJ, about virtual wholesaling? And I went through my whole entire list and I'm like, I haven't really had a, a guest on that's talked about virtual wholesaling a lot. So let's talk about that a little bit. We've done some virtual wholesaling, but we've always specifically targeted the market and and got the lead so in this circumstance you got a lead in tampa but you weren't marketing to tampa the lead just came to you so how did you acquire that property without seeing it did you have boots on the ground there or did you go find someone to be the boots on the ground and how did you find the buyer so we actually uh, we were marketing there just because we set up a web page on our site. Our site is so highly ranked mm-hmm. that I, I can um, I can put new pages on, and sometimes within a couple of weeks, it's on the first page of Google. That's the power of having a you know a powerful website that we've right. you know worked worked on for years. So that lead came through. A, uh, it was a web lead actually. So we had the owner actually send us pictures. And then we likely did the same thing. We, we, this is what we do everywhere. We call local realtors. We call local cash buyers from lists that we've pulled. And we do, um, we do a Facebook ad. We put it on Craigslist, Instagram. And we just started putting them on bigger pockets and connected investors. And we've been getting some good traction through both of those last two ones. Wow. So you, you actually market properties through Instagram as well when you're trying to sell them. We do. We do. Oh, that, that's cool. That's cool. You're the the first person I've heard say that. I have, I've personally acquired properties through Instagram, but I've never sold one through Instagram. So that's pretty cool. I'm a huge advocate for digital marketing when it comes to locating motivated sellers. So I'm right there with you with SEO and pay per click, and the power of those. Do you still incorporate cold calling or direct mail or bandit signs in your business, or is it mainly on the digital side of things? So we do a ton of direct mail. I mean, we were doing, I don't, um, we're probably still doing over 100,000 pieces a month. We were doing close to 200,000 pieces a month last year. Um, we have incorporated cold calling. Um, we're in the infant, st- well, we've been doing it for a couple months, but we're really going to take a hard look at it and, and dial it in. Um, so if there's listeners out there that say, well, I don't have money for a website, I can't go spend a couple thousand dollars a month on SEO and pay per click, what am I going to do? I would say, you pull a list of you know, it's exactly what I teach my students. You pull a list of high equity, uh, you know, owner occupied, which means they live in the house, and non owner occupied, owner occupied, which means they don't live in the house. You mail them postcards, and then you follow up with uh, with phone calls. And I have an I have a student in Richmond who started with me January twelfth. He had completely bombed on his own in December. I mean, he was like, "Is my phone broke?" And he wasted thousands of dollars. He signed up uh, January twelfth with me. He did exa- he's a he's a Navy guy, former Navy guy, so he's great at following instructions. So he did exactly what I told him, the list, the postcard, everything. For 10 straight weeks, he got a deal. Well, then he called me in a panic and was like, my direct mail doesn't work anymore. What am I going to do? I'm having cash flow issues. <laughs> so, uh, so he's like, I'm going to start calling. So he started calling, and since that time, he has had – he had his best month ever in the month of May. He closed eight deals from cold calling the exact same list that I told him to pull. Yep. And, and for the people, I know I've said it before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. When the return direct mail, so the mail that you get that's returned to you, do not throw that away. Those are now cold call leads. Skip trace them, cold call them. You can actually probably skip trace them and find the correct address. <coughs> Excuse me. 
the the correct address to send them another letter to, but return direct mail is a great lead source to follow up with and cold call because majority of investors don't pay attention to it and really just discard that as that was wasted money. And those can be some of the best leads that you get on direct mail. RJ, so, are you? We're just starting that now. Are you um, actively closing deals doing that? Yes. Yes, and and that came from attending a mastermind, and Larry Higgins of Skip Genie is the yep. gentleman who taught me to do that. And at first, it was funny because he asked the entire room. He was like, hey, who's doing this? And everybody was kind of like, you know, no, we just pretty much throw it in a bucket or throw it <laughs> away or recycle or, you know. Yeah. Nobody really had a plan for it, and he's like, you're throwing away gold. Like, those are some of the best leads, and so – we started skip tracing them. You can look up and find the ones that are tax delinquent. And those are the ones that we follow up with first. Um, it, it, it's a game and it's a number game. You know, I mean, it's all about follow up because a lot of times they're going to be very difficult to contact. But uh, we've had the success of contacting people and they don't even have the idea that they even own the house. You know, I mean, there's people that have inherited houses and they didn't even know they owned it and that's why it's tax delinquent and wow. just amazing leads come from return direct mail so wow there's there's some gold nugget right there so let's talk about you know you you discussed that right now you're you're closing all these deals and you don't even look at them or really know what's going on as far as the property so let's talk about your team what does your team look like and how many people do you have so if you if you we've got a number of uh, full time VAs I think we're between eight and ten we have twenty six full time employees and VAs. So let's talk about the VAs. What do you have the VAs working on? Because I I hear people say that all the time. They're like I need to get a VA, but it, it's almost become one of those things where they don't even know what they're getting the VA <laughs> for. It's just that's what you're supposed to go do. So what do you utilize your VAs for? So first of all, I'd give anyone advice that is look at – take a chart, take a piece of paper for 24 or actually 48 hours and in five-minute increments, write down everything that you're doing. And what you're going to do is you're going you're gonna to see a bunch of $10, hour, $10 an hour tasks that you're doing. And anyone who's in this business is worth you know, $100 to $500 an hour most likely. So get, get the VA to take those $10 uh, an hour activities off your plate so you can focus on closing more deals. Our VAs, uh, RJ, we've got actually two of them on the marketing side, which are doing a lot of outbound link building for search engine optimization. So they, they do a lot of marketing. And then the remaining six to eight, um, right now we have them calling cash buyers. But they will. They'll call cash buyers. They will. Um, they'll do nurture on our on our leads, uh, and they have been doing cold calling as well. Back in the day when we were renovating houses, we had one full time virtual assistant that all she did was turn on and off utilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, that can become a very burdensome task when you become a, a volume rehabber. I've I've learned this very quickly. Um, we, we took down a significant amount of properties all within a, a matter of time together. And my assistant basically just became the full-time utilities person. And I was like, this is not what I want my assistant doing, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. you're absolutely right. You do need to write those tasks down, but more so than that, really the people that you have on your team, you also want to make sure that they're doing the tasks that you hired them to do. Just like I ran into the problem where, my executive assistant was doing tasks that I didn't even want her to do. So the tasks that I needed her to do were falling on my shoulders. So it, it kind of 
stair steps down. You need those tasks delegated all the way down to the level of which the person can handle. And so a virtual assistant is great to handle in those kind of tasks. So let's talk about the full-time employees that you have on staff. What are those people's tasks and, and duties look like? So we have a controller. Um, we have a, a client care coordinator that takes a property from contract all the way through you know, resale. Um, she's got someone who also helps her, a full-time employee that helps just, you know, dealing with the closing and stuff like that. Um, we have two full-time people in our marketing and then the, the three, the two to three VAs, like I said, that support them. And then we have an acquisition staff. We have a manager who does dispositions and acquisitions. And then he currently has, I think, four team members and we're actively trying to hire six more, uh, in acquisitions and dispositions right now. Wow. So that's, that's quite a team. How long did it take you to build that team? So I started building my team almost from day one. So within six months, I think I made my first hire or within three months I made my first hire. Mm -hmm. And then probably within a year I had a team of about five or six people. And then we've just grown that over the years. When I look at uh, RJ, when I, when I, when I speak to all my students and I go to these masterminds and I just speak with other investors around the country, people, uh, in general are probably 90 to 95% of people's problems. They either don't have the right people in the right seat or they don't have a person, period, and they're just trying right. to do too much. And the bad thing is, is that, um, well, first of all, most gurus don't know how to teach it because they don't have, they, they've never hired people, they don't have a full team, but literally it's so, so, so important, but yet business owner after business owner after investor after investor overlook it. You have got to spend time finding the right people, retaining the right people, training and leading the right people, and then you have got to be good at getting rid of the people who shouldn't be there. And it's just, you know how it is when you get busy, it's just like the last thing you want to deal with. So you keep mm -hmm. people around that shouldn't be there. And really you're just, you're hurting them more than you're hurting yourself because you should let those people go and let them find an opportunity somewhere else that they'll thrive in. Right. Well, I get asked it all the time, you know, cause I call it the, the fancy markets that we're in, you know, no, no one cares that we invest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, no offense to Tulsa, Oklahoma, but it's just not a sexy market. But we're in Hawaii, and everybody wants to talk about Hawaii. They could care less if we've done one deal or 100 deals in Hawaii. They don't <laughs> talk about it. And they always ask me, how are you doing that? Well, it's all about the people that we have on our team. It's nothing fancy that we've been able to do. It's just connecting with the right people, having the right people in the right seats. And I, I talk to investors all the time, and they've been investing full-time for four years, and they've never made a hire. Yet they want to know, RJ, how are you doing so much? <laughs> well, just like you, within two, three months of starting the business, I was like, we got to hire some people. We got to put people in the, these other seats so we can grow this. And you start building the team. And before long, you, you understand if you're putting them in the right seats and they're the right people, your business should grow. And that's how you're able to do more. And so that's what we've been able to do. It sounds like you've been able to do similar results by bringing people on and putting them in the right seats. Do you accredit that to a lot to the success that you've had? Well, 100 percent. And it's it, it's not only that you it gives you the ability to do more. It actually gives you the ability to do less, less work. Right. And, and have, you know, the E-Myth, Michael Gerber's book. Mm -hmm. Most most people think that people start businesses to. 
uh, make a lot of money and have freedom. Well, what they really do is they end up just getting another job that's just it, – it actually pays pays worse than your, you know, your full-time job because you know what? They don't create systems and they don't hire really good people. So, yeah, I mean the fact that I can you – know, look, I, we did 33 deals last month or 30, 30, we had 33. Two of them fell out. So we had 31 deals last month. Um, and I didn't do anything. Wh- who do I attribute that to? I attribute it to the team that I've put together. Right. And, 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 any, and anyone can do it, by the way, guys. Like I teach this a lot in my level two coaching program. It's called Entrepreneur to CEO. It teaches you how to go from an entrepreneur to a real full-blown CEO. It's all about you want to grow. I guarantee you, if it, just like you said earlier, people want to know, you know why. It's, it's people. You can't grow because you're not investing enough time in, in hiring and retaining the right people. Bottom line, that's it. Boom. Right. So you, you've mentioned it several times that you're not involved in the day-to-day. So what does a, a week in Brad Chandler's seat look like? What are you dedicating your time to outside of the coaching program? So I have spent an immense amount of time in the coaching program because I'm so dedicated to my students' success. So that's what I spend most of my time doing. I have always been passionate in my business, Express Home Buyers, with sales and marketing. So mm-hmm. I still I still attend our marketing meetings. Um, I'm still I just love to hear what we're doing uh, marketing wise. And then of course I, I give my input and say, hey, let's try this, let's do this, let's try this. So um, when I'm not doing marketing uh, in marketing meetings, which is really only an hour a week for Express Home Buyers, all of my time is dedicated. Dedicated to uh, um, to the coaching business. When I'm not tra- I travel a lot. I play a lot of golf with my son. He's an avid golfer, and he t- you know has tournaments around the country. So, just like to spend time with my family and uh, work on the coaching business. So, speaking of your son, I was actually going to bring that up because I, I see your post on Facebook all the time. It, it does look like he's a hell of a golfer. So, uh, talk, talk about his little success that he has going on here. Is he going to be the next Tiger Woods? You know that's yet to be determined. But he, uh, when he was thirteen, he shot he shot sixty six from six thousand yards. If you know, if you don't know golf, wow. it means nothing to you. But uh, six under par from six thousand yards when you're thirteen pretty much means you can do anything. Right. Uh, he has he has been struggling lately. Although I played with him on Saturday for a qualifying round, and he shot one under par for you know eighteen holes. So he, he he's got game, and he just needs to you know just like the perseverance I spoke about earlier that got me my success. He just needs to know that he's got to work really really hard and just keep persevering through the ups and downs. Yeah, I was on uh, Tucker Maryhew's podcast a couple weeks ago, and he he t- asked me about hobbies and and what is something that I really get joy out of. And, and for me, you know, travel and some of these other things are, are things that I enjoy, but really like the number one thing that gives me joy is just spending time with my children on things that they love to do. And my son, he's five years old. He loves hockey. And I know that's <laughs> odd that we live here in Dallas, Fort Worth, but he's a huge Dallas Stars fan. He's been a Dallas Stars fan since he was like three months old. I would turn on a game and he would just be glued to the TV. Uh-huh. And uh, he, he loves playing hockey. He loves skating. And, and there's nothing that gives me more joy than seeing him out there. He'll he'll be out there for an hour straight skating and practicing. And the entire time he is grinning ear to ear. And there's nothing that brings me more joy than that. So that's awesome. I, I love seeing the post with you and your son and going to the different tournaments. It's just a. Uh, it's one of those things like more than anything you've ever posted about real estate investing inspires me to achieve the kind of success that you've had as a business owner is that. And, yeah. and it's, it's the power of living the life that we're meant to live. 
Yeah, and guys, you're, everyone's listening to this, and some people are. Some people have what RJ and I have, and some people don't. And the people that don't, when you're thinking about God, I wish I could spend more time with my son or daughter doing X, Y, Z activity. Guess what? You can. You can. You just have to change your behavior and change your habits and just make it happen. There, there's enough resources. Whether you get coached by me or someone else, change. If, if, if you know, go for what you want in life and just make it happen because it's so worth it once you get to the point where you can, you know, enjoy the time. How many years do you think it took you to get to the point where one day you were sitting in your office and you're like, there's no day-to-day task for me to handle? How long did it take to get there? It was probably 10 years, um, but looking back on it, it um, my, my partner and I made a big, big mistake over the years. We're both visionaries, which means we're not mm-hmm. good at actually integrating. We're, we're more of the, hey, here's the strategy. So uh, it wasn't until about three years ago that we brought on a kind of a COO um, uh, implementer type. And had we done that, um, I probably could have gotten to that place within three to five years if I just brought in that person who was really good. But at that time, I thought I was the smartest guy in the world and I could run the company. Well, you know, that wasn't the case. <laughs> I mean, I did, I, I did, I did fine, but I should have. Uh, so if you're, if you, if you go to Rocket Fuel now and take that visionary integrator, mm-hmm. and you've got, and you got two partners, and you're both visionaries, guaranteed, you got chaos in your business. You've got to get yeah. someone in who's like totally detail oriented. That is, that is quite possibly the the biggest golden nugget out of this entire interview right there is understand that you are not the smartest person for everything in your business. Right. Learn your role in the business and become the best at that role, not try to be the best at everything for Because for me, I don't I don't really know when it clicked. And still some days I don't think it clicks. I have to remind myself because I'm still <laughs> like, I'm the, I'm the best. I can I can do this and I go do it real quick. And I have to be reminded. My partner, Cassie, tells me all the time, like, what are you doing? Like, that's <laughs> not even a ten dollar an hour job that's like a i don't even know if we pay anybody to do that why are you doing that right now <laughs> and uh it's it's because of that that mindset of well this is my baby nobody cares about it more than me it, it doesn't matter and and someone broke it down where it's like if you broke out all the jobs and like you said as as owners and real estate investing we're probably 100 to 500 dollars an hour just being general like an average of what we should get paid per hour if you break out all the jobs it you it doesn't make sense for you to do those jobs it really doesn't and so bringing on someone that's an integrator to fit your vision is absolutely necessary and uh, we, we've seen huge changes in our business once we kind of come, came to grips with that. And it uh, sounds like you did, too. And like you said, it took you 10 years. It could have taken you three to five years. And, you know, for everyone that's listening, if you're in those beginning stages, take heed of that advice and, and don't make the same mistakes that Brad and I made. You know, right. even though we, we found success now, uh, I would have much rather have just done it a lot easier and save myself a ton of headaches over the time so good stuff there um sorry sometimes i, I rant when i get <laughs> on something that's passionate like that because I, I i i do this to give back to the real estate investing community and and i want people to see mistakes that have been made by others and learn from them rather than making the same mistakes themselves so so let's talk about, you know, you kind of talked about you're expanding some to some virtual markets. 
How does that look in your business? Is nationwide going to be something in your future, or are you just going to continue to pick specific markets that you virtual wholesale in? So from the day I started the business, my goal was always to become a nationwide company. So we're still, we've still got that vision um, in sight. Uh, right now, we've just built a bunch of city pages, you know, sell my house fast, Tuscaloosa, sell my house fast, Buckingham, Washington. So we're, we're getting these leads in organically without really paying much, and we're working those leads. So we're starting to put a team in place now to do more and more and more of these. And then we're just going to see where that takes us. And it might be that, hey, we just sold a couple deals in Denver. I'm making that up. But we just did a couple deals in Denver. Well, maybe right. it makes sense to actually spend some marketing dollars there and get some boots on the ground. So we'll just figure that out you know, as we, as we grow and on what our growth pattern is going to look like. And can we do everything virtually, or do we have to put people you know, boots on the ground? How many markets are you in right now? Well, we had uh, we, we we're operating just in the D.C. and the South Florida market as we speak, um, like with boots okay. on the ground. Gotcha. And outside of wholesaling, are you ever going to rehab, or are you doing anything rental-wise, multifamily, passive income-wise, or is it just strictly wholesaling? So we bought 80, uh, 80 single-family houses between 2010 and 2012 when we could buy them at you know, 50% of the value they were a couple of years ago or even 40%. Um, we sold most of those off in the last year just because uh, the yields weren't that great and they had appreciated you know, substantially. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I'm doing some with my wife, some uh, both, both uh, rentals and, if you can imagine, fix and flips. Um, we actually bought we actually bought one from the company from Express Home Buyers. Uh, we put in like ten grand, and we think we're going to make about thirty thousand dollars in profit. Now people are like, "Well, you just you just talked about how hard renovations were." Let me make something make make a point or or get something straight. One rehab when it's ten thousand dollars, not that hard. We we redid the, we redid the hardwood floors. We put in new appliances. We painted. We put in a new kitchen floor. Like literally, that was the extent of it. That's not too hard. Try to do that on 40 houses at, at one time where the average renovation is $60,000 and you've got permits involved and you're moving walls and you've got structural issues. It's a whole different ballgame. So, look, if you can, you know, if your only means is to buy from a wholesaler and you've got a decent rehab crew and you want to do one or two at a time, fine. But when you, when you go from one to five, it's not – or if you go from five a month to ten a month, it's not twice as hard. It's like 50 times as hard. It's exponentially harder as you add e each rehab. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. You know, your team's taking down all of these properties. Are you ever taking properties down subject to the existing mortgage or seller financing or anything creative on the financial side of things? Or is we, it always you're just making a cash offer because you're going to wholesale it? Uh, the latter. Um, we have right. done some. We've done some of that stuff in the past, but not much of it at all. It complicates things. Um, you know, we always had access to capital, so we didn't need to. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, uh, but right now it's just it's just strictly cash offers because we know we're going to wholesale them. Right, and and to be honest with you, when we wholesale, it, I guess I should not say this because it's not 100% accurate, but majority of the time we're going to wholesale. It's just a cash offer. Very rarely do we go to those creative strategies if we're going to wholesale a property. So I understand that aspect of things. So. I always like to ask people, what is their why? What is your driving force behind everything that you're creating with Express Home Buyers? You, you discussed that you want to make this a nationwide company. Why is that a dream of yours? And, and kind of what is your why in this business? 
You know, I think it's a couple fold now. I think it's um, transpired over the years to just help people more and more. That's why I got into the coaching business. It wasn't about the money. It's really just about helping people. Um, I think if you look back why I wanted to be a national company, it was probably ego driven. But I think we do stuff, you know, I think we do things really, um, really well and we're ethical. We've been an A plus rated with the Better Business Bureau for, you know, since 2003. So just, just doing something um on a large scale that as actually provides jobs for people and you know treats people nicely and we're, we're not out scamming people we say hey, here's the offer if you don't like it you know you can go sell your house with a realtor we're, we're not some of those sleazy investors that are you know sending multiple people by and lying to them about the comp so just you know trying to make the world a little better place and then really what's driven all of this is, is what we talked about 10 minutes ago is just the time with my family I just right. lo- I just love being able to spend time with my family because my kids you know they my son's about to turn 16 and it seems like he was just born two years ago the time just goes so fast so spending as much right. time as I can with them is 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 what I want to do so one one question that I or one, I guess it's not a question but something I want to ask my listeners for because I was doing research for this interview before looked up express home buyers on Facebook and I saw something that has happened to me and it was one of those things that just never set well with me and I wish there was something I could do about it but I can't and so hopefully we can help Brad out so I went to his express home buyers Facebook page and there was someone that went on there and left a one-star review based off of Brad's company making an offer and he was mad and he called him a vulture and all these things and as investors we know that's not the case he just made an offer on what he could purchase the house for so for anybody that's listening help brad out go to his facebook page express home buyers they're based out of virginia leave them a five-star review because i had one of those on my company and still to this day it irritates the living piss out of me so everybody (laughs) help brad out by giving him a five-star review on his facebook page thank you so much in advance appreciate that (laughs) i mean you know how that goes i mean it's like you didn't do anything yeah you you sent him a mailer and the guy said made me an offer you made him an offer and then he went left you a one-star review it doesn't even make any sense so (laughs) some people don't understand how this this business works or they don't care and they think that we're out to hurt people where i saw your your response and your response was absolutely what i would have said as well like I've, I've helped thousands of people out. I haven't helped thousands. I've helped hundreds, uh, but you've helped thousands of people out and, and there are situations where you know, they, they hug you and they're crying because you helped them out of a bad situation. And for one person to think that we're doing something wrong or, or vultures or trying to steal properties, it's just not fair. So help Brad out. Everybody knows what that's like. Yeah, RJ, you got to keep you got you to keep in mind, and it's tough. You got to have compassion for those people because honestly, at the end of the day, they're 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 likely just really unhappy people. And any t- any time in their life they get a chance to vent or make try to make someone else look bad, they jump at the opportunity. So, you know, it's hard, but I I have compassion because I lead a very happy life, and I, I can't imagine life uh, unhappy like that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, Brad, I know you're. Uh... A super super busy guy even though in this interview you made it seem like you aren't but uh, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and sharing all the knowledge that you have I, I truly do uh, look up to you you're an inspiration for so many people in this business and uh, I just thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today 
No, you're welcome. And let me give uh, let me give a couple of free things out, out that are really cool. If you have a family or friend or whoever that's doubting you in the wholesaling business, have them, and you should watch this too, bradchandler.com forward slash case study. It's actually, I literally ripped apart from start to finish how we made $33,750 on a townhouse. So show them that video. And if you're interested in learning more about um, how to grow a um, a wholesaling company and have some really killer marketing secrets that I give out, just go to bradchandler.com forward slash webinar and register for one of our upcoming webinars. I think you'll find it really useful. Awesome, man. I will put those those links in the show notes. And uh, again, just thank you for sitting down with us and uh, appreciate everything that you shared with us today. Thanks for having me. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, R.J. Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.